This is the FBCG Live Podcast with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. Today's message is entitled, How to Make an Appeal. Pastor Jenkins explains when you should make an appeal and how to make an appeal to your authority. Wherever you're joining us from, we pray this message encourages and empowers you in your daily walk with God. Um, thank you again for joining us today. Last week I talked to you about... Um, Obedience. I talked about being obedient, and there's a number of things in there that I wanted to highlight. To obey is better than sacrifice. Being obedient to God is one of the most important things that God desires. As a matter of fact, I'm persuaded that for us to experience and walk in the favor of God in our lives, we have to be people of obedience. And one of those obedience areas had to deal with being obedient to the authorities in your life being obedient to uh, those people that God places in your life. And uh, I think I mentioned last week that I wanted to follow up today and talk about what do you do when uh, a person of authority asks you to do something that's not correct, not right, not righteous. Uh, how do you, what do you do? And, and, what, and, and what I'm going to talk about today is how to make an appeal. You make an appeal when you ask to do something that's not the appropriate thing. You make an appeal. And I'm going to show you what needs to be in place to make that appeal and how you make the appeal. Now, the reason this is important, because the principles I'm going to talk about today are not only true and applicable for making an appeal when you ask to do something wrong. Some of these principles also play a role when you want to get a proposal through on your job or you want to ask for a raise or you want to you want to get something changed in your in your home, in your life, in your marriage, in your um, just in, in so many areas. So while, the, while my initial intent of this message was to talk about uh, when to make an appeal and how to make an appeal, uh, which is what I'm going to do, I want you to think through this of, of how these principles can be applicable in your life and other areas, even beyond um, making an appeal when you're asked to do something wrong. So that's, that should be an important thing. So this is a teaching about um, giving you clarity on how do you make an appeal, who you make an appeal to. So how do you make an appeal? And then my first question I want to raise is when should you make an appeal? When should an appeal be made? When should you go to uh, an authority and, and make an appeal? And I'm going to give you four things of when an appeal is appropriate. Number one, it's an appropriate when, when biblical principles are clearly being broken. When somebody's asking you or encouraging you to uh, clearly violate scripture. Uh, we, we don't want to be people who support that, do that. Uh, so that's number one. When biblical principles are clearly being broken. That's number one. Number two, you want to make an appeal when you're asked to do something unscriptural. Uh, so uh, if somebody uh, asks you to make a, uh, uh, to do something that is against scripture, um, you, you, don't want to, you don't want to submit to that. You don't want to flow with that. You don't want to obey that. You don't want to, you want to make an appeal when you're asked to do something against the desires of the authorities in your life. So when you're asked to do something against the desires of the authority, let me slow down. I know I'm going a little fast. I'm going to slow down a little bit so you can 
write it down. Please leave that up there for just a moment because I want them to be able to get get it because I know we have great note takers at the First Baptist Church of Glenard and I want them to take great notes. So when the scriptures are being, when, when you get, you have a biblical principle that's clearly being broken. When you're, when you're asked to do something that's unscriptural, when you're asked to do something that's against the desires of your authorities. So if somebody on your job wants you to do something against the boss or do something that the boss said don't do or the company said don't do or the business said don't do, have enough faith and courage to stand up to people who are encouraging you to make those kind of choices and decisions. It's not the, you know, you know, the thing that I think our country needs more than anything else are people who are people of integrity. I think um, one of the most troubling things to me is, is to see people in leadership postures and positions who don't operate in integrity, who don't have the courage to say that's wrong. And that's ever so evident, not just in our uh, in, in our country, in our politics, in our government. Uh, we need to be people who stand up for what's right. And I believe, and I am persuaded that we serve a God that when you, when you make a choice to stand up for what's right, even when other people might not like it, that God will look out for you and God will fight your battles and God will plead your case. And my encouragement to let's be, see a dynamic disciple is a person who will stand up who will be bold and courageous, who will not be uh, manipulated or intimidated or bullied into doing anything. We, we, we are, we, we've got to be people who are sold out to the kingdom of God and sold out to doing his word and his way, and we trust him. That's what I like about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here, here are four guys who each were, they tried to pass laws that, that they couldn't do certain things. They passed a law that Daniel couldn't pray. And what did he do? He went home and opened up his windows and got on his knees and prayed, knowing that they would come by his win window and see him praying. What did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do? Same thing, these three Hebrew boys, when they passed the law that everybody was going to bow down to the, to the image that the king had made, they said, oh, no, no, king, we, we're not doing that. We don't even have to debate that. They said, we don't have to give any consideration. We don't have to dialogue. We don't have to take a vote. We're not going to bow down. And I like the way they responded. They said, okay, we don't have to be careful. We will not bow down to your, image, your golden image. We will not bow down. We will not dance to the music and worship the God that you've created. And I like what they said. They said, we know that the God we serve is more than able and capable of delivering us. But then they said this, but if not, <laughs> I love that. If they don't, if he doesn't, it's okay. It's not that he's not able. If he doesn't, you can go ahead and throw us into the fiery furnace and we may die. But one thing we do know will be the one way or the other, we will be, be delivered from your hands. That's the kind of people God wants to raise. People who are sold out to be, be obedient to the Lord, whatever the cost, whatever the price that they have to pay. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. And here's the fourth point in this uh, um, dialogue of when you should make an appeal is when you're asked to do something illegal. That's against the laws. So th th those remain uh, the times that, you know, illegal, immoral, unethical, unscriptural. 
These are the things that should cause you to say, well, I might need to make an appeal in this case because you're asking me to do something that I'm not going to do or I'm not willing to do or I think is wrong to do. And so this is when you should make an appeal. And I'm, as I mentioned earlier, this, sometimes you might want to make an appeal on other things, too. You know, you've got a proposal you want to make to your boss. You have a you want to ask for a raise, perhaps that that might be a time to make an appeal and look for as we go through these principles. Ways that you can incorporate these principles in your life. All right. How do I make an appeal? How do I make an appeal? Here's the first point. You must be in right standing. Boy, what does that mean? You must be in the right posture. You must be in a position. Of being in the right in the right right position, the right the right standing with the person. That's the best way I know to describe it. You can't you can't make the appeal um, when when you're you're not even speaking to somebody or you got an attitude or whatever. We'll talk about some of that a little bit later. But you must be in right standing. That's why it's important. You know, the scripture says, "Don't let the sun go down on your wrath." Uh, make sure that you keep everything. Right with the people that you relate with, the people that you work with, with your boss, your supervisor. Be in right standing. Make sure you're doing all the things you're supposed to do. No need of my kids wanting to go somewhere. They like to ask me, this, Dad, can I go over here? Can I go over there when they was growing up? And, and, and they haven't cleaned their room. They're not in right standing with an unclean room. They're not, they're not in right standing to go out and do nothing when they haven't accomplished the things around the house that's their duties to do. Did you take the trash out, son? Did you do the dishes, young lady? Yeah, don't even ask me when you got undone things. Right standing means I've done all the stuff I'm supposed to do. In Psalm 66, verse 18, jot that verse down. Because uh, it kind of says, again, we, when, we, when we make our appeal to God, we got to be in right standing. When we want to talk to God, we want to make sure we're saved and walking in obedience to the Lord. That's key and important. This is this is the deal that is so critical and so important. Here's what Psalm 66, 18 says. It says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. If, if, if my heart is not in the right standing with God, he won't even hear my prayers. Matter of fact, here's what that text means. If I regard iniquity, if I can, I, if I can see it in the motion picture of my mind, that's what that means. If I regard iniquity, if I if I can envision it, if I can imagine it, if I can have it in my heart. It blocks God's ability to be able to hear my prayer. And so this principle falls to true again. It flows right on down. Are you in right standing with with the people that you're responsible for? Romans chapter 13, verse one and two. Jot that verse down. That also uh, talks about. Um, how we ought to be in the proper relationships with the authorities that God has created. Romans 13 verses 1 and 2, it says this. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinances of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. We ought to be respectful and honorable to the authorities that, that we have. And I know this is a difficult thing for people to sometimes embrace, especially uh, when it comes to 
the governmental structures and rules. And, and, and what, I've, what I've come to learn is a, a person can only get in a position of authority if God permits them to be there. And I, I recognize that all of the people that God has put in place have not always been righteous people. And, and if God allowed an unrighteous person to be in place, he has some ultimate goal he wants to accomplish in that person or through that person that may not be evident to to others. And I this is ever I know this is such a true principle and such a true statement. So the bottom line is, as long as they're not asking us to do something outside of the parameters of what I mentioned earlier, we should respect and honor um, authorities in our lives. And that's what Romans 13, 1 and 2 says. They could, they could have only got there if God permitted them to be in office or be in that role or be in that position. And it's true for all of the authorities in your life. You can, they can only get there if God lets them be there. They can only be your authority if God allows them to be your authority. Now, I know a lot of times people would maybe choose somebody differently, but there's some purpose that God has in allowing that person to be in the office, to be your, your boss or your supervisor or your parent or your whatever authority place that they have in your life or your pastor <laughs> or whatever, your, your senator, your house of representative, whatever they are, if they're in a position of authority, they can only get there because God allowed them to be there. And it becomes critical that we all understand that role. So that's that is the very first thing. Be in right standing. Maintain right standing. I'm challenging dynamic disciples to maintain in the lives of the people whose authority you are under. Don't talk back. Don't have an attitude. I hope my employees at the First Baptist Church been not listening to this. Just what you're asked to do, as long as they're not asking you to break one of those four things we just mentioned, you should, you should flow with it. Yes, sir. Yes. You know, I've found a lot of employees like to spin the, spin the dial and try to make something wrong with the boss. They might be wrong, but don't you, God will see to it that their wrongness will be handled. It's not your job to try to correct them. Ooh, boy, I'm preaching and teaching right here, right now. It's not your job to try to correct them. You do what you're supposed to do. Put your eyes on what your responsibilities are. Do what you're supposed to do and respond in the right way and expect God to fight the battles for you if they're wrong. Expect God to be the one that fights the battles for you because he will. And I know that the God we serve is a God who will fight your battles. Here's point two. I only got, I got six or seven points for you today and then I'll be finished. I got seven points and hopefully I'll get through them here in these next few moments. Here's point two. You must have the right basis for the appeal. You must have the right basis for the appeal, the right motives. Your motives must be right. That's an important thing. Your motives must be right. And so uh, some people don't. Uh, uh, some people, <coughs> their, their motives for what they want done or what the appeal is, is the wrong motive. And so um, what should your motives be? I'm glad you asked the question. Jesus teaches us what they should be when he gives us the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. He gives us what they, what they should be. In Matthew 6, he gives us a prayer to pray. And throughout that prayer, he gives us, I feel, the key things to teach us what our motives should be when we make an appeal to God. Here's the first thing, is we make the uh, appeal 
to God and to others on the basis of their reputation. Jesus said, when y'all pray, first thing he says, make it based on God's reputation. Uh, Hallowed be thy name. Holy be your name. He says right there in uh, Matthew 6, 9. Hallowed be thy name. And and, and my point here today is when you're making an appeal, uh, how is it going to help the reputation of the person that you're serving? Make it on the basis of their reputation being protected. The reputation of the organization, the reputation of of uh, of the person who who you're making the appeal to. Hallowed be thy name. Base it on reputation. Secondly, right here, this is in verse 10. Base it on the authority. Thy kingdom come. Verse 10 of Matthew 6. Thy kingdom come. Let what your will is, your authority Let your kingdom come. I'm basing this on making this appeal on the basis of what it is you want to see accomplished. So if you you got a supervisor, uh, you want to say to them that your desire is to see their vision come to reality. And see it come to pass. What what it is they're asking for. Um, And then thirdly, um, their goals, Uh, their goals. And this is in verse 10 as well. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, is what we say to God, but I say that we say to the people we're making an appeal to that it is our desire um, that the goals you've established would be accomplished. So reputation, authority, on the basis of your authority, you have the power, and your goals, God's God's goals or your supervisor's goals. Make the appeal on the basis of that. So have the right motives. What I've learned, and, and I'm going to talk about this in a few minutes too, there's another point about this, that I, I, I have to question sometimes what, what people's motives are. Why are you asking for this? And, and I've come to learn that everybody's motives is not always pure. And it's not always genuine. It is not always in the best interest of me or the organization or the kingdom, for that matter, as a pastor. Um, they got some other agenda. And uh, all that needs to be flushed out. All of that needs to be flushed out. So, so that, that make, make the appeal on the basis of the right motive. Here's number three. You have to make the appeal at the right time. At the right time. What? What now this is I want to spend a little bit of time talking about this because um, uh, we've got to make we got to make an appeal at the appropriate timetable. When when is it right? Uh, In Esther, chapter four, write this verse down. Verse 16, Esther was a queen um, and Esther was married to the king. She she. Esther was one of many wives that the king had. And the king got tricked into making a decree that all of the Jews would be killed. The problem is Esther was a Jew. The king didn't know it, but she too was a Jew. And her, one of her relatives, Mordecai, came to her and said, Esther, you need to go and talk to the king. Because if they decide to kill all the Jews and this and this decree goes forth, you're going to be killed, too, Esther. 
And who knows, maybe God put you in that place to be married to the king at this time for such a time as this. And so uh, Esther uh, has been challenged to make this appeal. And so what I celebrate about her is that she did make the appeal, but she uh, approached the king and made the appeal uh, at, a, at an appropriate time. And here's what she said. This is Esther chapter four, verse 16. She said, go gather all the Jews who are present in Sushan and fast for me, she says, neither eat nor drink for three days, day or night, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So she she knew that she could not just go into the king's chamber without the king beckoning her to go in. So she had to wait till the appropriate time. And she said the appropriate time will be after I fasted, after I've prayed and everybody else has fasted and prayed and my servants will fast and pray. And the right time is after we have besought God about it. And, 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 and I, I see so many situations where people don't even talk to God about what they're facing or what their challenges are. They, they want to dive in to uh, making their uh, uh, voice known and, 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 and challenging people, and they haven't even prayed about it. So, so Esther said, I, I'm going to go, uh, but fast with me and get all of the Jews to fast and pray with me for three days. Don't eat anything day or night. We're going to do an absolute fast and and my maids would do the same. And then she said, then I'm going to go in. And she says, if I perish, I perish. If, 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 even though it's against the law, if I go in and he tells me that I, I'm wrong for doing that, I'm willing to take that, that risk. But she waited till the right time. And when you read chapter 5, Esther chapter 5, when you read chapter 5, you'll read that she waited until, um, she waited until, uh, she had fed him two meals. She, she was smart. She, she had prepared two dinners for the king in chapter five. And it was then that she went to, after she had done that, then she went to the king and made the appeal and won the deliverance of the people that she, she represented. She, she did a good thing. She knew when the right time was. And you got to be cautious and careful about the right time. Uh, in Exodus chapter 32 verse 32. Let me spend a moment about this. Exodus 32, 32. Um, this is about Moses. Moses um, uh, had gone up on a mountain and spent time with God and had been up there with God for a while. And while Moses was up in the mountain spending time with God, Aaron and the people got impatient and they decided that what they were going to do is that they were going to go ahead and take their their jewelry and melted and build an idol and they began to worship and bow down to these idols and worship. And when God and when Moses came down back out of that mountain and saw the children of Israel bowing down to these golden images and worshiping these golden images, um, Moses got angry. But I guess let me tell you who else got angry. God got angry. And God said to Moses, I'm going to wipe these people out and start over. I'm going to just kill them and I'm going to start afresh. I can raise up a whole new generation of people. I don't want to I don't have to deal with these these jokers right here who have totally disregarded me and my all that I've done for them. I bought them out of slavery. I delivered them. 
I've been feeding them every day. I've been supernaturally working for them. And look at what they're doing. They're down there bowing down to a false god. And Moses made an appeal to God. He made an appeal. In verse number 32 of chapter 32, Exodus 32, 32. Here's what Moses says. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, if you will forgive their sin. But if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. He said he, he, he was willing to say to God, Lord, I don't blot. Don't kill these people. If, if somebody has to bear the brunt, let me let me just take my name out of the book of life. Take, take my name out of your book that you've written. I don't even want to be mentioned. He, he's making an appeal to God. He knows God is upset and angry. and He's planning on taking them out. But he makes this appeal and it's the right time because Moses himself is willing to say, I'll take the brunt for it. You're going to hear me say a little bit more about that in just a few moments, too. So so the the right moment and the right time uh, Moses demonstrates uh, that um, he knows God was angry with the Jews and was going to kill him. And he's trying to prevent that from happening to him. That's the right time. That's point three. I love what I love about. Let me say this too. What I will, what I really like about Moses's request is that it's the right time because he was willing to take a sacrifice in order for God to honor it. Let me. I should write that down. That's that's a point I should have highlighted. That he was willing to sacrifice for his request to be for God to respond to him based on what he asked. He was willing to die himself. And that might be a time when you know that you're you're ready to. You're actually ready to uh, make the appeal when you're willing to take a sacrifice for it. And he was willing to lay down his life. I celebrate. I celebrate him for that. That's that's a, a a good choice, good decision to make when you're willing to do that. Here's number here's number four. When you make an appeal, you must give accurate information. Now, uh, I'm gonna spend a few moments talking about this too because. Uh, you should gather all of the data that you need to have, all of the information that's accurate and present it. If there's one thing that uh, hopefully people who work with me know that when they make a request of me, I'm going to ask a thousand questions and you, you would do good to, to know all the answers or anticipate what I'm going to ask and have those answers when you come. And I think that's an important thing is that you present accurate information. Don't give them suspicions or uh, on falsehoods. Uh, make the make the request on accurate information. I had an employee one once who uh, I learned was giving me false information and, and I lost all trust in my ability to trust that individual. Once I learned that they they were not giving me accurate information. And knew, and knew they weren't giving me accurate or knew they weren't giving me the complete story. And I know that there's a there's a there's a, uh, a attitude of some people who think that it's OK to withhold information from decision makers. And I'm saying to you, that's not appropriate. That's not pleasing to God. God wants us to give the authority all the rights, all of the information so they can make a, the appro- appropriate decision. It would be a horrible, bad thing. For you not to do that, that would be devastating. Here is number five. You must have the right attitude, 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 attitude. 
A lot of people don't have the right attitude. When you go to when you go to make an appeal and you gonna you gonna stop off because they didn't give you, you the way you wanted to do what you wanted them to do, and you got all these this this uh, motion movement attitude, tude, your head rocking from side to side, you know, and you angry. You got the wrong attitude. Attitude helps to really. It helps a, a, a decision maker to discern the right choice and decision. In uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, jot this verse down, verses 16 through 28. Read this, this story in 1 Kings if you ever get an opportunity. Uh, two women come to Solomon and both of them are mothers. They both have had babies three days apart. And... Uh, they both had the, they both had the babies, and one of the babies dies overnight. And when they get up the next morning, one one woman's baby is is dead. The other woman's baby is alive. And uh, the woman whose baby uh, died had switched the babies, her baby with the other woman's baby in the middle of the night. And the woman who woke up and saw that her baby, the baby was dead, she said, this is not my baby. So there's this conflict between them. So they take the, they take the, ch- the children, one dead, one alive, to, to Solomon. And they want Solomon to, uh, they want Solomon to, um, um, they want Solomon to d- determine who's, whose baby is, who, who has the baby. That's what he wants. She, they want the, the, the baby, uh, the baby to be determined, the mother's baby to be determined. And so Simon doesn't know what to do. So here's what he says. I'm going to take out my sword. And since we don't know whose baby's alive, baby, we'll just kill both. We'll just kill the other baby and we'll know. And right then the attitude of the mother was demonstrated, said, no, don't kill my child. The ones whose baby was a living baby said, don't kill my child. Her attitude revealed to the king. Revealed to Solomon who really was the mother of the child. The other mother said, yep, go ahead. kill, Yeah, just, just kill. That, that attitude that they had, that, that they both demonstrated, showed who was the real mother of the child. And so you got to have the right attitude. In Ruth chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, let me talk about this for a minute. Ruth uh, was uh, married to uh, Naomi's Son and both Ruth and Naomi's husbands died, and um, once the the, the 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 Naomi's husband died and Ruth's husband died, um, uh, Ruth made a decision, and she said to Naomi, her mother-in-law, "Here's what she said." But Ruth said, "Because let me back up. <laughs> I'm rushing ahead of myself." Naomi told Ruth to go back home, go back to your people, go back to the nation where you came, to the community where you came from. But Ruth said, verse 16, entreat me not to leave you, she she said to her mother-in-law, or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. That's her attitude. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God, where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts you and me. Here was a woman who said, I, I want to go with you. 
I want to be I want to I want I want your people to be my people. I want your God to be my God. I want where you live to be where I live. There's a there's a sacrificial attitude there. There's a a, a submitted, committed, submitted and committed attitude. So what what's the attitude you need to have when you go to make the appeal? What's the attitude that you need to have? What's the posture that you need to take? What what how should you be approaching the person that you're going to make the appeal to? Again, not with your head snapping and your fingers popping and and uh, ah, so many. I, I had so many people come to me with the wrong attitude. Uh, attitude makes so much difference, makes a huge difference when it relates to and determines how an authority is going to respond. Sometimes an authority responds not because of what the appeal is, but because of what the attitude is. And the, and the word of the Lord is telling us, have the right attitude. So you, you, you determine, what's the attitude I need to have when I go here? What, what's the attitude? Humble, humble, humility, what's the attitude? Servanthood, what's the attitude? Patience, I'll, I'll wait if it takes a while for it to happen. What is the right attitude to have? Oh, Lord, I wish I could make this plain and drill this in people's heads and hearts that the, the, the right attitude that we need to have that both uh, uh, these, this mother had uh, in Solomon's case and that Ruth had in her relationship with Naomi. And Naomi let her stay. She stayed with Ruth. Uh, Ruth stayed with Naomi. They stayed together. And she, it was it was the right thing, the right posture that she had. Here's number number six. The right words. You must have the right words. What does that mean? In Second Samuel chapter fourteen, this is verses one through twenty-four. Uh, this is a. Um, a long section of passage to read, but I'm going to challenge you uh, to get an opportunity to read um, uh, Joab because he demonstrates uh, uh, and tells a story. He, he's, um, he's trying to get King David to actually um, receive his own son. Uh, Joab is trying to get King David to receive his son Absalom because he had determined not to be around him, not to have him nearby. And so Joab crafts a story, right words. He crafts an illustration to tell to uh, King David. And he tells that story. And because of the story and the right words of uh, what Joab uh, crafted to go to King David. He had those words sent to King David through a servant, through a, uh, one of the servants. And they took that and those words moved, uh, moved King David to say, yes, he can come. Let him come to the house. Let him come. When before he had said he's barred, King David has said, my son Absalom is barred from being here. I don't want to I don't want him anywhere around me. He had barred him. Joab made the appeal used the right words, and they were so powerful and so profound enough that David changed his mind. So you need to carefully think of the words you want to use when you make the appeal. In this case, Joab uh, uh, told it in the form of a story that helped 
David see uh, himself in that story. Also jot down Proverbs 22, 11. Uh, that's another passage. Put this passage down about graceful words, uh, of what you should say. Um, and Proverbs 22, 11 says, he who loves purity of heart and has grace on his lips, the king will be his friends. I want I want you to see this point here and has grace on his lips. What words come out of your mouth, what you say, how you say it becomes critical and important. He had grace. It says have grace on your lips, have the right words and couple it with the right attitude. It makes all the difference in the world. Here's my seventh and final point. You must be willing to accept the answer and display the proper attitude if the appeal is rejected. You must be able to accept the answer and display the proper attitude if the appeal is rejected. That's, again, another one of those important points that we want to make that um, if they say no, you got to be willing to accept that and have the right attitude. Walk away. Be willing to continue and still serve and still do your job. Even if they don't give you the, if they don't do it, it's OK. You, st- you still say, I'm going to do my job and do the best that I can. I ain't going to you know, reframe and not do my best anymore. I, I, I'm not coming to work on time anymore. I'm, I'm going to leave early whatever, you know, whatever attitude people have. That's the wrong that's the wrong place, wrong posture to be in. Um, and if they say no, you know, there might be a reason for them saying no to the appeal. They might, and maybe God has a, something else he wants to accomplish in you. Maybe there's some char- character he's trying to develop in you. Maybe he's uh, trying to teach you or others some lesson. Or maybe, maybe he wants to show you to be patient and let him change that person's heart. Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart's in the hands of the Lord. Maybe you have to wait until God changes that person's heart. That's a possibility of what God might want to want to do. So have the right attitude if the answer is not right and be willing to accept the answer. If you go in and they say, well, well no, we can't give you. A, we're not going to give you a raise right now. You have the right. Have the right attitude. Now, I want to close this with two two points, two final statements. Finally, point one a sub final point. Appeal with an alternative suggestion that meets their desire. So um, if somebody wants you to do something wrong, find out what their mo- what is it that they're really after and try to come up with an alternative that will accomplish the same godly purpose or desire that they have without you having to violate convictions or break the law or um, go against your biblical convictions. So see if you can think of another way to accomplish it without violating what you believe. Come up with another suggestion. Come up with another idea that doesn't require you to do that. And then finally, when it's all said and done, after you have uh, made the appeal and you got the right attitude and you did all seven of these things, sometimes there are times that you have to resist following the request, but you can only do that after you've taken these seven steps. There, there will be times, there might be times that you have to say to your boss in the right attitude and the right spirit, I'm sorry, I can't do that, sir. Well, sorry, ma'am, that's, I'm unable in my conscience to do that. 
and not, you know, and sometimes you have to do it. And there might be consequences. You might, you might lose your job. You might, you know. But again, this is only this, this these principles and that attitude is only true if they're asking you to do something that is fit those categories I said before: immoral, illegal, unethical, uh, illegal, unscriptural, whatever. It's causing you to do something that's not right. Breaking biblical commands or scriptural commands or breaking the law or it's causing you to to make that kind of choice. That's the only time that you have a right to be able to say, well, I'm going to resist doing that. You can't say uh, to your boss, I refuse to do my job when that's what you're getting paid for. If that's that's your job, as long as it's not asking you to do something illegal or immoral. I would hope that if you had a job that's a regular part of doing something that's illegal or immoral or unethical or unscriptural, I would hope that you've already left that job and got you another job. Because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely persuaded and believe that, that God wants you to be in a place where you can make the right choices and do the right things, you know, every, every, uh, every day. So that's what I want to do. Okay. All right. Uh, I got a few questions. If you have some questions, send them in. Um, Okay, what should you do when the assignment was never given by the authority? I'm not sure if I understand that question. What should you do when the assignment was never given by the authority? Who gave it to you? I need to find out who gave you who gave you the assignment. Uh, is it, it is it the assignment of the of the organization? Is it something that's in your job description? You know, uh, um, you know, is it the I don't I'm not sure if I understand the question, but is it the is it I don't I don't know how to answer that question. because I would think that whatever you're doing on your job, uh, somebody in authority had to give it to you or somebody who was delegated. Uh, they might not be your authority, but God might have given uh, the authority, might have given the responsibility and the authority to a, a peer to give it to you. And maybe you should find out if that assignment is something that the authority wants done, if you have a question about it. Okay. Can I divorce my spouse for infidelity and, my, and not be disobedient to God? Let me, you know, this is a tough question, and uh, I want to tell you to do a couple things on this question here, because this is a very, very uh, controversial question. Because there are a lot of views on divorce and remarriage, a lot of views. I fall in the camp that I don't think that divorce is something that God. Matter of fact, I know God doesn't like divorce. He hates it. The Bible says God hates divorce. And the question is, can you do it for infidelity? And that's where the controversy is. The controversy is. uh, Is infidelity a cause for divorce? And there's a lot of debates about that. I, I am, um, I'm in the camp that infidelity is not. Uh, and I could, I could spend the rest of the, I could spend the whole Bible study on that. You probably should get our teaching on divorce and remarriage in our bookstore. Let me, let me encourage you to do that. Get our teaching on divorce and remarriage from the bookstore. Or there's a book in the bookstore called. The Rebuilder's Guide that I have. Um, uh, the, the Rebuilder's Guide that I have 
recommended to tons of people and seen tons of marriages restored. And so I would want to encourage you to uh, get that book. Okay. Can you explain the difference between number one and number two of when we should make an appeal? Right standing versus right basis. Okay, right standing has to do is a relationship thing. How are you in relationship with the you know right standing? If a person wants to make an appeal to God, you should be saved. You should have a relationship with him. Uh, right standing means uh, um, I use the illustration of my children. They, they're my kids. And if they want to, you know, when they was when they were young, if they want to go out and go somewhere and go do something. They want to go to the movies. Uh, right standing means that they have done everything I've asked them to do. So they can't be in wrong standing. They can't be out of out of proper standing with me and come making me a request to go to the movies. And they haven't even cleaned up their room and they know that's what they're supposed to do. That's right standing. Right basis means uh, and, 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 and deals with the whole uh, reality of, of, of what, what, uh, what's my motive. Right basis means what's the right motive. Am I doing it for the right reasons? That's the difference. The right motives. Okay. What do you do when you need to make an appeal to an authority, but you are not comfortable based on past encounters with them? So one of the things I try to teach people uh, in our church family is when you feel somebody's wronged you or they haven't treated you right, is you go and have a discussion with them, SBIs. You talk to them using the model of SBI, situation, behavior, impact. Here's the situation when something happened and it was problematic for me, that situation. B is behavior, focus on the behavior that the person did. You said this and it wasn't right or it wasn't true or What's the behavior, not motive? See, we get we get messed up when we go into people's hearts and try to read what their hearts are, what and what what we feel that their intent was. We're not gifted to do that. You don't deal with intentions or motives. You only deal with behavior. And then the I, SBI, the I means impact. You go to that person and say, here's when it happened specifically. You don't say you always, you never. You said yesterday or last week or whenever it happened. Here's what you did. Here's the impact on me. It bruised me. It made me question your, your love or care or your, your honesty or whatever. You, you can say, here's how it made you feel. Approach the person when you feel that they've done wrong. I think people have a big problem with confronting people who they feel have treated them wrong. And I think it's, it's, it's something that we have to learn to be as Christians. Um, you know... Um, uh, I think I think it's critically important that um, we deal with people. We should be Christians and be honest with them and say, here's how I'm feeling about it. Here's what I think about it. And so if you, especially if you feel they treated you wrongly or unjustly. Uh, say, how should you respond when the timing is wrong, when your spouse when your spouse makes the appeal and their attitude is off putting? So so uh, when the timing is wrong, then you should just. Say, you know, right now might not be a good time. Can we talk about this on another occasion? Or can, can we talk about this a little bit later? And maybe their attitude will have calmed down a little bit. <laughs> maybe they will have, you know, changed their posture and uh, have a different attitude. And matter of fact, maybe you should buy this tape or DVD or tell them to go to YouTube and tune into this and watch it 
so that when they do come to make the appeal to you, uh, they can they can uh, they might hear hear the questions <laughs> and have the right the right attitude. Can you ask the person? Here's another question: Can you ask the person in authority why the appeal was rejected? Um, you you can ask them. I don't think there's anything wrong, but they might not be able to tell you. God might have turned their hearts, and they might not even be able to tell you why God turned their hearts. But I mean, you can you can ask them. I don't think there's any, any anything wrong with asking that question, but they may not be able to tell you. Okay. You've been listening to FBCG Live with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. A dynamic disciple is one who will stand up and be sold out to God's word and trust Him. If you've been blessed by this message and would like to help us reach more people through this ministry, please click the link in the podcast description or visit our website, fbcglenarden.org slash give to donate. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll subscribe so that you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to tune in next week.